0: Welcome to Texting Daily Number Seventy Four. So, Jason, how are you doing today? Good. How about yourself? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, got some mixed feelings and opinions about the show.
1: Yeah, that's funny. I was, I, I, I do too. So, I'm curious to hear what you think.
0: Well, on, on the one hand, I'm kind of happy with the statistics of it, right? Because the, st- okay. the, the the number of downloads are good. But on the other hand, I'm not entirely sure the experiment's going to work because. It's like a, a daily show, like, th- okay, there's a few different things, right? We wanted to do the daily show so that it would, we'd get the whole thing done within half an hour, which essentially right. meant 15 minutes, right? right? But it's actually taking us at least an hour to an hour and a half every day because yep. we need to do a half an hour show to do it the way that we used to do. And the other thing is, is like a daily show is, is kind of supposed to be like a digest show, like if it is every day. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to fit our old weekly concept into a shorter show concept. So I basically think a daily show ultimately should probably just be a different show for a different set of listeners. And then our normal show should just be as it was. That's what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know, the, some of, we got some comments that were concerned about a couple of things that turned out to be right, which was one was they were concerned that it would be too rushed mm-hmm. which it was. I think our first, our first episode, we tried to cram too many topics in uh, 20 minutes or you in, know, and, and then we even extended to a half hour almost, I think, and it was still felt rushed. Yeah. And then, so we said, all right, that's not f-, and, and our listeners. A number of our listeners said they didn't enjoy that as much because they like a little more depth. They like it when we go off on tangents every once in a while and just have a little more of a relaxed conversation, mm-hmm. um, which is what I like too. And I think that's probably what you like as well. There's also so, been a few
0: comments though about sticking to tech, which we never got before because when it was in an hour and a half show you didn't really notice that we went off tangent. Yeah,
1: yeah, you can you can you can stick in a, you know, topic about, you know, the subduction zone or Fibonacci numbers or whatever. You know, if you're if you have if most of it is about tech or tech-oriented topics then it's not a big deal, but if you have one topic, if we have one topic each and then so half the show turns out to be about non-tech or both of them, then I think you know that can disappoint our listeners, mm-hmm. and I think a number more disappointed when they listen to a whole show and they didn't get anything that they really wanted. Right. So, I and and I think that with our style of 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 conversation and the kind of topics that we like to talk about, I just don't think it's going to work in a half-hour show. No. That's my feeling. Yeah. And it's funny that we both came to that conclusion yesterday. I mean, it, it may have been because we're reading the same comments. <laughs> um, right. It may be because we just independently were feeling the same thing, but I was talking it over with Sandy last night and she, she was even giving it a thumbs down just because it was taking too much time. She's like, I didn't realize you guys were going to spend an hour on this every day. She's like, I think that's a really bad yeah, idea. Yeah, I, th-
0: I think so. And it's funny because, because if you think about it, that adds up to basically five or six hours a week, versus the, the two and a half to three hours of the weekend show, right? But, but the other thing is, is that if, if you have a weekly show that's, that's an hour and a half, it builds up a certain amount of anticipation, right? So it makes it, it, makes it a, a rarer commodity. Right. And I sort of think that the daily show is a less rare commodity and should... Like, I think in typical daily shows are more just about current events um, right. and humour, and I don't mm-hmm. think that that necessarily is where we're coming from with this show. That's not to say that um, you or I wouldn't get involved in some other type of daily show that is nothing to do with texting. You know?
1: Yeah, no, that's always possible. I yeah, I, I, yeah. It, it, the thing is, you're right. It, even if even if for our listeners who really enjoy the show, I mean, because I think we I think we got a lot of really great feedback, and I think what was really nice to read was that. Our our listeners are were being patient, like they were interested in the experiment, but I think they were also a little frustrated. But they're willing to give us the benefit of the doubt, like all right, well, I'll see how this goes. <laughs> and but they're trying to be honest and, and helpful, so it was nice that everyone was, you know, trying to stay positive and, and provide constructive feedback. But I think at the same time, I could see there was going to a little bit of disappointment building because they're like. You know what? I, I like texting the way it is, and you guys are going to screw it up. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Know? And uh, it, and one thing I was thinking about is like when there are shows that I really like. I mean, if I think of my favorite TV shows, I mean, even the ones that I I would rank at my top five, I don't know if I'd want to watch them every day. Yeah. You know, it was like once a week, you know, was good. I mean, maybe there's part of me going, oh, I wish, wish there was more of it. But sometimes if there is more of it, you just get burnt out on it. And, and there are even some of my favorite podcasts that I listen to. I get burnt out on them and I love them at one point And then I just get burnt out after a while. And then I come back. And I think if we do it every day, we're just start burning people out. Well,
0: here's something else. In 70 mm-hmm. shows, we had, I would say, 99.9% positive uh, comments and feedback. With the point one percent of oh, can you tweak this? But then, in the next three shows of doing it daily, it was the opposite way around, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that I think that just kind of goes to prove something. I, say, I mean, I know we're only four days into the experiment, and by rights, we should give it the, t- the whole two weeks.
1: I, I think I think we I think we should finish out the week and cap it. That's, I that's think, what
0: I think. I, I don't I, think we should do the two weeks. Yeah, I think. I
1: think I'm we've right. I think we've just I think we did an experiment. And I think our listeners were patient and. Being, seeing as how we're in the startup world and a lot, of doing st- about, a lot of what startups is about is experimenting and trying things. So right. I think our listeners were, were like, hey, okay, you know, give it a shot. We'll see how it goes. But once you see this experiment not working and you understand the underlying reasons why it's not working, and you can see that those underlying reasons are not going to work in the context you have, there's, there's no point in just continuing on. And on top of that, I can tell you right now, I've even st- already after three or four days, I'm like, I'm going to start burn out, you know? which I was a concern of a couple of our listeners. They said, you know, they were concerned that we would get burnt out. So, yeah, but, but have you, have you looked at the stats? No. mm -hmm. Well, um, just
0: so that you know, this, the last show going Fibonacci is the fastest downloaded show we've ever had. Huh? So, um, it in, in less than 24 hours, 359 downloads.
1: Really? Yeah. Wow, so, that's interesting. So, so maybe what we should do is just have a few more uh, screw ups. Uh, so now, <laughs> what do you think? I don't know. I that's that's cool. Because wow. remember, it's
0: the voice. Because the voice of the few is is what's heard louder. But that's that those few people. You know, they aren't necessarily speaking for the, the voice of everyone right? It's just because yeah. they're the voice of the few. But so, so that's why I'm saying maybe, maybe we should give it the two weeks, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm feeling the same as you, but those statistics are interesting.
1: Yeah, it is interesting. I, I'm just saying I'm, I'm already feeling a little burnt right. and I don't like that feeling because doing the show was something that I really, Forward to, mm-hmm. um, and I don't want to start going. Oh God, I got to do it again. It's a headache. Or you know, it's not that I feel that way. I just feel a little tired. Yeah, and I don't want to feel tired. I want to be excited, looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing too is, the the time that is taken up by our daily show is, you know that that is time that I'm, I I would have spent inviting guests and corresponding with guests. Right. So we had a guest signed up uh, who had committed to doing a show this Tuesday, but he, um, he had to cancel on Monday night and that kind of put us in a bind where we didn't have anyone right away. And I frankly just didn't have enough time to like find someone else or come up with something else. I mean, I I could have sent an email off to a few people. I know there's some people who are interested in being interviewed, but it's just, I just didn't have the energy to sit down and write an email and just organize it. So that's not good either. Right. So 359 downloads. Yeah, less, that's nice but in, in, uh, i think
0: we 10 hours I, uh, sorry I, yeah uh, let's say about 18 hours <laughs> yeah yeah but, no, that's but I, good. I kind of feel the same as you anyway um so we'll you know we'll we'll see how it goes we'll cap it off this week and then what maybe hap- will happen is we'll get a whole bunch of other people saying no no we really enjoyed the daily show
1: Sorry. Yeah, well, there, there's always other things that we can try. There's other variations of things we might be able to try. I think it's worth experimenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't know, we could st- see how we feel. Maybe we can do a weekend show just to keep things going. And then we have a, a good interview um, for Tuesday. I believe it's Tuesday of next week. So we'll be back right on schedule to our normal format. Yeah, okay. All right, so why don't we uh, get to some topics? What um, You got anything interesting? Um, well... <sighs>
0: I thought it was very, very cool, um, but it's, it's not something that's going to go into huge amounts of conversation, but I still kind of wanted to say it. Was this, um, basically, this uh, applet, uh, JavaScript applet. Is Are they called mm-hmm. applets? No, bookmarklet. Yeah, was, yeah, sorry, bookmarklet. bookmarklet right? right? The one that is uh, called uh, Kick-Ass. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and basically, you, you, you drag it into your bookmarks bar, and then you go to any website, and what it does is it puts the asteroid spaceship on your page. <laughs> <laughs> and it works perfectly, and you can basically control the spaceship and go around and blow up the web page. It's <laughs> freaking awesome.
1: <laughs> That's great. Where where you get the bookmarklet? i will just send
0: you the link. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> we'll put notes, it in but... the show notes. But but yeah, you just so you just drag and tip off, and so you can go to any website. And what's so cool is because the bullets, as they fire, they just hit the uh, they're obviously hitting the the, the the I guess the divs and the different things, and they just yeah. make them kind of gradually kind of explode. <laughs>
1: It's really, that is really cool. That's awesome, really clever. Yeah. Did you see that um, uh, there, there was a guy, it's like Minecraft or something, some guy I think it was Sweden or Norway created this game and is making $350,000 like a day. Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> or is it $350,000 a day or a month? A uh, no, day, was was a day. Is that right? They, well, just they, they, they said a day. Per- yeah, they're, they're, people were buying it like every three seconds, buying a copy every three seconds. And I guess the guy's an independent developer, and he used some kind of Java game development kit or something. And, yeah, he's just an independent developer. And, and I guess a couple of Bungie Labs and Valve had uh, offered him jobs, and he's like, no thanks. But, I mean, if you're making three $3,000 a day, or even a month, I mean, why do you need a job? Yeah, <laughs> right? that's right. <laughs> you just sit back, make that one better, milk it, create a franchise out of it, you know, you're done. And then if you want, you can create your own little... Game company or big gig company with that kind of income. Uh,
0: Sebastian told me about something rather cool the other day Gamesalad.com. Uh, dot com And basically, it's, it's like a drag and drop games, games builder for iOS 4, but hmm. basically for iPhone and iPad. And it looks astonishingly cool. And there's, uh, from what I can tell, there's hundreds of apps already in the App Store just created through this drag and drop system. So it's basically like App Ignite, but for, for game development on the iPad.
1: Right, no, that's cool I, I know there's a lot of people out there who like the idea of building games But building games tends to be such a hard prospect I mean, It seems like it seems it's an expertise and skill set all of its own Well not if it's drag and drop But I mean, but I mean if if you don't have a tool like that, I mean the prospect of building a game i would imagine be kind of daunting. Unless it's sort of like some retro game like Donkey Kong or Asteroids or something. Yeah. I mean you're actually gonna create some kind of like real time strategy, first person shooter, unless you're using somebody's, you know, pre built engine to where you're just kind of coming up with a storyline and some graphics. I mean, it's just the idea of building something like that seems pretty daunting. It does seem pretty heavy, yeah. Well, Definitely,
0: from your point of view, where you have the don't, the not invented here syndrome, and you have to build everything from the ground up,
1: <laughs> right, right.
0: <laughs> so, um, so, so, so uh, wh- what do you got?
1: Go for well, it. Well, you know, I actually got a couple of small things. One thing: Did you read that article about Patrick McKenzie and how I, I, I can't remember the name of the guy who um, was railing on it, but basically said he was a, it was like the tragedy of Patrick McKenzie. Huh. You know, Patrick McKenzie is the guy who just bingo card creator. Yeah. And he's like one of the rock stars of Hacker News because he's, he's written a ton of blog posts about, you know, A, B, conversion testing, optimization. And so he's taken, a, you know, something like a bingo, like a, just sort of a nothing idea, like bingo card creator, and actually made a living, able to make a living doing that where he doesn't have to work anymore. Mm-hmm. But what the guy is saying is like, look, the guy's clearly a genius in the sense that he's really technically bright. He's very, he's very um, extremely competent when it comes to, optimizing conversion, understanding the business um, context. I mean, just like, he just knows so much about all of these things that he's been working on. And, you know, it's always all self-taught and it's only a handful of hours a week. And, but yet he, he said he's never made more than $60,000 a year. And the guy's like, what the hell is that? I mean, this guy has like a million dollar you know, value. I mean, the amount that he knows about business and technology, um, he should he could easily, you know, command a million dollar a year salary, or at least hundred, at least three or four hundred thousand dollars a year. But he's making sixty. And he's like, you know, that's great and impressive what he did with Bingo Card related, Creator. But he's like, the, the, the his ultimate conclusion is that he most likely has either an inability to value himself and, and be. He's like afraid to make too much money. Like he's afraid to command that much money, or he's just um, he j- yeah he just either it's like a mental block or something. That's, I don't know. So, that's someone them.
0: who just clearly their whole value system is based 100 percent around money, and they're not thinking about quality of life, right? So he's because obviously the whole the thing that that uh, Patrick McKenzie's interested in is creating his own product from his own from his own self. So it's all his own kind of. It's his baby which he's creating. He's making money. And that's where he started. And he's interested in a quirky little product. He's not interested in... I mean, he could have built uh, something that was more business-oriented. You know, he could have built built many different products. But he wanted to do something quirky, you know? Mm -hmm. So why, why would he... I mean, I'm sure that where he lives, he earns more than enough money. To keep himself well, he lives happy.
1: in he lives in Japan, and uh, Japan is not necessarily cheap. So okay. I don't think he's living large. Um, of sixty thousand dollars a year in Japan, I mean he's making. I'm sure he's getting by. He's, he's, he sounds like he's probably still pretty young and single, so he probably doesn't have a whole lot of overhead. But, um but I mean, it. Yeah. I do agree that
0: as as a business consultant, right, uh, as a, as a consultant for startups, he certainly could
1: earn a lot more than sixty thousand. I mean. He could take I mean, 60,000 60, is like a junior level developers a year out of college, you know, right. two years. I out mean, of-
0: he could, he could take any, any startup company and work with them and, and help them optimize. I mean, 10 grand a contract, 10 contracts a year, you know, one a month. Yeah. He could easily do that. <laughs> make for a, lot
1: more, make a lot more than that. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, what I mean, do you think? Like a, oh yeah. He could, he could probably make, he could charge a lot more than $10,000 a contract and he could probably get a lot more than one a month. So I, I would think that, especially because he's already built up this huge name brand, so everybody in this sort of startup world knows who he is and they know what he can do. And um, if he said, all right, well, I'm going to start a consulting company and I'm going to help you um, become way more efficient and, and really um, optimize your, your revenue and cost structure and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt that he could make some really good money.
0: But it is quite specific to Bingo Card Creator, no? No, no, Like this no, is knowledge, you don't think? Uh,
1: uh, no I mean because all, all this all this optimization and analytics stuff that he knows, understands and all about running adWords campaigns and uh, i don't know i mean I, I've read dozens of his um, articles and they 're very in depth and he really seems to have a, a good understanding of of really how the uh, I mean the whole process, you know, the things you need to think about. All these things that other companies might say, "Oh, well, I'll read some articles about it and I'll try and figure it out." But they're still still going to take them months of trial and error t- to where they develop the understanding that he already has. So that if you're uh, if you're some funded startup or or even like a profitable you know, smaller company, and you are like, "Wow, I think we—I sh- don't think we're doing that great of a job on our uh, funnel, you know, conversion funnel, and, and our and our average marketing stuff and our conversion stuff. I mean, you know, you just get this guy involved, and in the amount of money that he would cost, would probably be a fraction of the of the money that you would gain in terms of um, additional revenue and stuff.
0: Well, I'd like to get involved in uh, Plugio, then.
1: You can get out fifty percent of the revenue. <laughs> yeah I think it come up with all kinds of things like what's that guy Sean Ellis do you, do you know who that guy is he he's the guy who did a lot of this uh, he he's um, the one who's talked a lot about the product market fit and he has some um, surveys about how to determine if you reach product market fit based on surveys to, that you that you do with your customer base and things like that and he really helps companies once they've kind of got to the point where they have some kind of a product market fit he can really make them much more profitable and that guy I think makes a good living, you mm. know, being a consultant. I mean, he could, I think Patrick McKenzie could do that. Mm. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. It's just, it does seem like that people do sometimes have mental blocks because if they're used to making, you know, 50000 a year, I mean, making a quarter million dollars a year would just seem like crazy. It's too, it's too like, big a jump. You, yeah, it's just like, how do you, they would just be embarrassed by it. They would be sort of intimidated by it. They wouldn't even know how to ask for that kind of money. And, you know, if someone would make it $250,000 a year, you know, would have, you know, would it would be daunting for them to make a million dollars a year. I think there's there's sort of like, um, I imagine there's sort of a mental jump you have to make. I mean, clearly it's not just about, gee, all I have to do is get myself mentally prepared to make a million dollars a year and I'll start making it. but. I do think there is a certain amount of valuing how much you're going to value yourself at. Um, that plays into it a little bit because that allows you to, with confidence, command a higher rate. Because you're like, look, this is why this is what I'm worth, and this is why I'm more, mm. worth it. And I'm not just saying it; I know it. And if you want what I can do for you, which you do need, this is what's going to cost you, and this is why it's a really smart decision for you. Well, but you I, I, have to believe that and be able to convince people of no, it.
0: No, it's true, and and I mean, it's also true that people have the cognitive bias that. If people are more expensive, they really do believe that they're much better as well. I mean, just by raising your price, I mean, it's been proven um, that if you just if you go out to the market with a $50. OK, <laughs> now, now I've now I've said that I'm going to withdraw that. It hasn't been proven. But for me, it's been proven that if you go to the market uh, with a higher rate, you're valued higher.
1: Yeah, well, that's the whole thing about signaling, which we talked about a couple uh, shows ago. Yeah. If you're signaling, you're you're basically saying, look, I am. I'm more valuable, right? right? I mean, if you walk into a store and you're buying some product and one's four hundred dollars, and the other one's hundred, you're gonna think that you're gonna look at them, and if you, if you're unless you're an expert on it, you're gonna assume the hundred dollar one is kind of lame. In mm-hmm. anything that looks more like the four hundred dollar product, you're kind of gonna look at it and go, "Wow, I guess that's guess that's how what the good stuff looks like." <laughs> I mean, and I, you know, it's also that thing where it's like that um, that survivor bias concept where people who uh, make uh, a lot of money become very successful, start believing that they're really successful and they become very confident and everyone starts it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, um, whereas, and I think it comes to that too. It's like, so when you start making more money or you start having more success, you become more confident and it becomes easier for you to believe that that's what you're worth and therefore it becomes easier for you to make other people believe that that's what you're worth, right? It's hard to convince somebody that you're worth, you know, $1,000 an hour when you've only been charging $100 an hour. You just couldn't, it would be very difficult for you unless you're a, an actor or a poker player to really look someone in the eye and say, listen, I know $1,000 an hour might seem like a lot of money to you, but let me explain to you why that's going to be a bargain. From, your <laughs> from perspective. nowhere, right? Yeah. Right. Now you, have to mean, get there. you have to work up to it. Right. I mean, because, you know, if, if for most people, for people to make that kind of jump, they would practically crack up middle sense of like, I, okay, yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> right? Okay, just 35 bucks. <laughs> yeah, you got me. So, you know, another thing I saw, which was interesting, I, I meant to bring up a couple times, was the idea of like, Someone wrote a comment, I think, on Hacker News about this, which is the sites where the only way that you can log into them is through Facebook Connect. Yeah.
0: Did you see that? I did. I thought it was interesting. Um, just, Just remind us of it again.
1: Well, essentially, what I mean, the guy was just sort of like one of those ask Hacker News qu- type of questions, I and mean, he's like, you know, what's the deal with this? He's like, you know, it's it's one thing to offer it as an option, which but it's another thing to say requiring people to either use a Twitter or Facebook login, because you're just assuming that everybody has that account. And mm-hmm. he's like, one of the problems is, and I guess one of the a few of the comments in the discussion were like, we're mentioning how you know the Facebook API has changed a couple times, and sometimes and that te- and their API, Facebook Connect doesn't always work that well, mm. has some problems with it. I mean, I, I created, um, you know, for this uh, iPhone app that I had built um, for Mark, a, you know, we you, you would log in and use the Facebook Connect API and the Twitter Do, API. I mean, don't work. you think
0: it's okay if you have more than one, if you have maybe Facebook, Twitter, and Google, and, and then, so...
1: I guess, you know, I wonder about that stuff. I mean, that stuff's fine and all. I, I wonder how much it helps. It just seems to be kind of like a pain in the ass. You know, those things you see bottom on a page that are like, you know, um, su- you know subscribe to, they have like, like f- 10 little buttons about dig, stumble upon, Reddit. it. Well, I mean, you know, people like, got very angry
0: that Plugio didn't have. I mean, I got quite a few, uh, you know, over the last year messages, people saying, why don't you just have Twitter OAuth? Why do I have to create a new account with your ridiculous system?
1: Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just wonder I, at what point. Like, okay, so it's one thing where it's like, okay, you're gonna make it easy for people by have a couple different ways to allow them to log in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's you want to make it easy for people, but at the same time, it's like if you have like ten different ways to log in, it just gets a little like just too much. Yeah, but doesn't it, it? I mean, basically, look, if you, if you get if you come to a
0: login page and there's uh, you can log in by clicking a Facebook button, you can log in by clicking a Twitter button, a Google button, or you can create an account. Essentially, what you've done is you've you've utterly reduced the barrier to entry for someone to get involved with your site for you to get their information, for you to get their details. So I just don't see why that's a bad
1: thing. I guess okay. Well, okay. Well, it's that all. You know, is that all question. That question about when, there, when you when you force people to make a decision, you're sometimes you're turning a certain number of people away because they just don't want to have to make a decision. I mean, maybe that's not the case. I mean, maybe with I mean, it was only three or four options, and and the options are all really easy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't affect things. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe it's it's not so many. It's not, it's not, there's not so many options that the decision turns in away, but there's enough options that allow people who want those other options to be happy and not, and it reduces friction for them. So maybe that's the case. Um, the, the, the guy who wrote the comment was really just arguing like how ridiculous it seemed that that was the only way. Yeah, no, you- if it's
0: the only way, it doesn't make sense because you know it's ridiculous to assume that everyone has a Facebook account because lots of people don't like Facebook. But I'm sure that if you give the option of Facebook, Twitter, and Google. You've got eighty percent, and then the twenty percent who don't have any of those, they can just sign up with an account. You just you just give that account that option too, and then I think you're covered.
1: Yeah, you know, one one of the things that irritated me was when I set up an account with Stack Overflow, right? And you had to use Open ID. Yeah. And I, you know, I was I. It was frustrating because it made, I, I, didn't, I think I had to use, they had like some independent open ID authorization thing or I could use like Yahoo or Google. So I set up an account on one of them and then I didn't use it for a month and I came back and I couldn't figure out which one I had set it up on and, I, and then I had created another account. So apparently I have two accounts which each have a lot of questions and points but they're not linked because I couldn't remember the, which open ID I connected with. <laughs> So it was just yeah, a pain. I was like, you know, annoying. but if it would have been my normal one, they'd say, what's your email address? you reset your password. But now I'm, now I, you know, because it was just like, there's three or four open ID things. And, I and think it, maybe says one the, time it says
0: the URL, like, so the URL is like AO4XYZB2. Like, right. oh, I don't know what the hell that means
1: yeah so I clearly was confused by what happened or I went through the process and I just couldn't remember I must have gone through some third party open ID authorization thing and set up an account there and then forgot about it and then came back six months later and tried to set one up through my open id uh, account through my either my Yahoo or uh, Google email address and it's just irritating because there was just no it, there was no clear way about how I could get that resolved because I have all these questions and points that I just are kind of you know uh, often to the ether and they never to be reclaimed and i just thought I was like it was so much more frustrating if they just had a regular normal login like can you just let me do that
0: so um i just wanted to to finish up the show with um something that was posted on the last show's comments by mm-hmm. o- other robin did you see that and yeah, he,
1: I love that. By the way, other Robin and other Robin. Other Robin. Right. I, lo- I love that. It's so great. I, I, I just remind you before you go into it. There was a it, in college. We had there was there was um, there was AJ for Asian J. There was RJ. Uh, there was BJ for Big J, and there was RJ for Regular J. <laughs> <laughs> There's three J's. <laughs> That's, that reminds so me we've of got the other uh, Robin. Regular so- J. There's Regular Robin and other Robin. <laughs>
0: Okay. So um one of the things he said is the whole fibonacci thing that we spoke about uh yesterday. He said um isn't it just an example of the Texas sharpshooter fallacy, right? And then he put a link and the link goes to a fantastic website called com, which has a whole bunch of fallacies outlined there. But the the, the Texas sharpshooter fallacy, did you did you read that? Did you f- click that link and see what I did it was?
1: Didn't, no, I didn't get a chance to. Okay,
0: so so what it is is it's that um a, a guy will shoot like in in Texas, a Texas shed, a guy will shoot bullets into the shed and just keep shooting all day long. And there'll be bullets all over the shed, but there'll be sometimes when the bullets will be grouped. And then after yep. that, he'll go and paint a target around those bullets. So anyone coming right. along will say, oh, look, what a great shooter I am.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that, that, that's the same thing as survivor bias. So right. If you have, like, uh, if you have like, for example, like money managers, so you have 10,000 money managers, and let's say that 50% of them make money every year and 50% don't, and then after ten years, are we some percentage of them made money ten years in a row? Yeah, but it's just like after the fact, you can even be like, oh, well, these guys made money ten years in a row. Well, somebody had to just out of pure randomness. So you, it's sometimes it's it's really hard to determine whether that was through luck or skill. And um, I mentioned a book called *Fooled by Randomness* by Nassim Taleb, where he actually outlines that that points that out. Um, of course, the more decisions you make and you consistently do well, then it's hard. It becomes harder and harder to to argue that it's luck. I mean, it's like a test for. Um, statistical significance but that's interesting oh so so go to, J- jason check out you are
0: smart.com it's just really well, good it's it's a celebration of self-delusion and there's just lots and lots of blog posts about misconceptions and the truth behind them all the, all the stuff like we have like cognitive bias all that kind of stuff's on there
1: well you know that the fact that it's interesting that you bring that guy up because that's actually one of the guys i wanted to invite on you're oh, not really? so smart well there's three blogs that i kind of that have sort of overlapping themes there's that overcoming bias and less wrong um less wrong i brought up they did the That was the one about the intellectual hipsterism i see and um, this guy named robin hansen i think at overcoming bias who's like a he's got like a phd in like economics and philosophy or math i see some really bright guy and he writes a lot about that stuff and the guy you're not so smart who i think is a journalist right mm-hmm. i've read some stuff by him and i made a note I'm like we gotta invite that guy on so maybe that's something we we just try and get on in the next couple weeks yep. if it'll it return his my email because you know you, you had asked about like you know who I think you had mentioned we, we had talked about offline about like you know inviting guests like people actually accepting and coming on the show, mm-hmm. and I sent five very what I thought were well written personal um, and friendly uh, invitations to for people to be on the show, and i didn 't hear back from. I didn't even get a return from the guy from Instapaper. He didn't return my email or this economist who I was hoping to get. But I got a return emails from three other people. So it's kind of interesting. It's, it's just sort of random, like who actually accept income on the show.
0: Well, you know, I mean, sometimes people have really big inboxes and they just they see it and they kind of think, oh, I'm going to get back to that. But then it just ends up slipping down the list and then they forget about it
1: yeah it's true so i what i'm just pointing out is just because they're interesting and we think they become the show they doesn't may mean not they will, yeah. return my email i'll i'll spend a half hour writing some really good email and i may just never hear from them so um i'll maybe we can get the you're not so smart guy and that would be cool
0: all right dude i think it's time to call the show
1: um, all right well that's a wrap we're out